The views and ideas expressed in this program are views expressly of the people sharing them and not of the anchor or that of this broadcaster. All persons, juristic or natural, are to be held responsible for their own representations offered on this program by their agents and not this corporation. Any and all consumption of our conversational substance is entirely at your own discretion. Please be advised that this program airs subject matter that has the potential to destabilize and challenge your intellectual equilibrium. If you are excitable, profound caution when consuming our subject matter is advised. Participation in this program is a voluntary enterprise and as such is expected to be considered and deliberated on. Kindly note that, just as the anchor is, all participants, guests and callers are encouraged to engage in this our freedom of expression and any of our civil liberties responsibly. I want to read something to you that was published on the 14th of May uh, that was uh, according to our guest for this segment who speaks to us about the MPL. It's important that we understand what he means and that's why we're going to give him a bit of time to explain what he means. He says the vast majority of Muslims do not care about MPL. And if you're probably wondering what we're talking about, MPL is the Muslim personal law. And he continues to write, as the novelty has worn off for decades, the Muslim personal law was summoned from the grave before an election. It is time we leave MPL and its grave as few care. The fools that talk about MPL have wasted enough taxpayers' time and money. Muslims, like everyone elsewhere, worry about our immediate reality and the 22 thousand people murdered annually. Muslims worry about unemployment as we have unskilled people in governance and selfish and cruel business leaders who value profit more than they value human dignity or lives. He goes on in his opinion piece, which is why we're having a conversation with him right now. We have a lot of things being said to woo people to vote for one political party or the other. And he's suggesting that this uh, idea of uh, trying to appeal to the Muslim community using MPL is non... Well, it's, it's a non-sequitur. Uh, it's really illogical for him to think that you're going to be wooing Muslims in that way. I don't know. Uh, it would be very interesting to hear what he has to say about the matter. Joining us now on the line is our guest, uh, uh, Yagya Adams from the Cape Muslim Congress, is a counselor at the Cape Muslim Congress. Good evening to you, Yagya, and thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us. Thank you very much for having me on your program, and uh, let's hope it's going to be a good exploration for both of us where we can all learn from each other. Explain exactly what you meant with your opinion piece there. It sounded as though you were saying, quite frankly, we don't need... MPL any longer. You're calling it, it was resurrected from the grave, it must be left there. Kindly explain what you meant with your piece. Okay. Bottom line is I've been in local government, I've been a councillor since uh, the year 2000. I've won four elections already, which means I have quite a decent support base in the Muslim community here in Cape Town. And one thing that upsets me very deeply is people who want to use the Muslim community as political fodder when it comes around to elections. That means every single time there's a national provincial election, then the issue of Muslim personal law is raised, and immediately after the national provincial election is done, 
the issue of Muslim personal law is buried again. Now, if you had, as the government, 20 to 30 years to implement Muslim personal law, and you didn't, then I'm telling you, you're wasting everybody's time, and you're using Muslim personal law as a decoy, as a carrot and stick, where you want to entertain yourself and get people excited about absolutely nothing. It's the same with District 6. If you had 30 years to build the houses for the people of District 6, of which 80% have already died, and you haven't completed building those houses in 30 years, then you're obviously not serious. You're making the issue of District 6 a joke. And what I'm saying is that the national government and all those political actors who are involved with Muslim personal law are a joke. Why? Because why is it that they only talk about it before a national and a provincial election? What I'm also saying is that the Muslim community is not separate from the rest of South Africa. We are part and parcel of South Africa, firstly, number one. Number two, we are equally and so affected by the corruption, by the lack of electricity at ESCOM, the load shedding. We are affected by unemployment. We are affected by the lawlessness and the increasing crime. We are impacted by the gap between the rich and the poor. We have problems with housing and vagrancy, and we are totally upset with the one billion rand that is allegedly stolen at ESCOM every single month. So to talk to us as a community or to talk to us as individuals about Muslim personal law, you're making a joke out of something. Now, why I'm saying this is that you had 20 to 30 years to manage the issue, to finish it, and get it done with. That has not happened. Why do you want to keep on with the same joke? It is done and dusted. We know that the government is not serious and those who are involved in the process is not serious. So I want the voters who's going to participate in this provincial and national election to ask those politicians, whoever they are, and from whatever political party they are, instead of talking to us about Muslim personal Talk to us about what have you done to reduce crimes like kidnapping, hijacking, and the 22,000 murders that take place in South Africa every single year, and it's only increasing. What have you done as a politician to reduce the corruption in government and at the state-owned enterprises? What have you done to reduce load shedding? These are the issues that are critical to the development of our society, to the development of our economy, and to the development of the future of our children. That is what I'm saying. Focus on where the attention is necessary. And on that list, Muslim personal law is way at the back. We are worried about corruption, load shedding, unemployment, crime, and the gap between the rich and the poor. That is essential to the Muslim community as it is to the rest of South Africa. Yeah. I'm trying to understand the thinking there, and I'd like to follow it. Are you therefore saying uh, these are no longer issues in the community, in Muslim community? I'm saying that Muslim personal law is not a priority. I, I understand. Yeah. I, I understand the, the part yeah. of it not being a priority in, from yeah. where you're and speaking also, now. What I'm asking about is, the are these not relevant issues for the Muslim community? Law. Yeah, I think that the Muslim community, in the broader sense, thinks that Muslim personal law is a joke. And they are totally 
with the understanding that politicians use the Muslim personal law as entertainment ahead of an election because it is no longer relevant. If it was relevant, it would have been sorted out 20 to 30 years ago. What is most important to us right now is the load shedding, the lack of electricity, and the unemployment, and the crime. That is essential to us. We need to stop the government in its tracks with regards to the corruption. We need to send more politicians to prison. Yes, I said it. You heard what I said. We need to send more politicians to prison. We need to send more government officials to prison. We need to see them in those overalls going to prison with handcuffs for taking, for stealing taxpayers and ratepayers' money. That's what we need to see. Now, Muslim personal law has no role in any of that. So it, it, it is no longer relevant? Did you, just, did no you say that? Relevant. That's what I'm saying. In spite, of the fact that, in, in spite of the fact that there are organizations that have come through to court to dictate and advocate for Muslim personal law, you're suggesting that they don't know what they're doing because, no, no. in your what view, I'm it's saying, no longer relevant? No. What I'm saying in a nutshell is I don't think they've got the priorities correct. That's what I'm saying. Look, the Who determines priority, Yagya? Who determines priorities? The priority is government corruption. The priority is load shedding. The priority is crime. The priority is unemployment. I understand. I understand. Who determines? My question is, who determines priority? The priority is determined by the need of the people. When so it is official position of 30 percent of unemployment, and I believe it's probably closer to 50 percent. I think that probably we, some of us are hiding the statistics. When people cannot feed their families, when they cannot clothe their children, when they cannot pay their school fees, when they don't have enough to eat, when there's no electricity in their home, when they can't wash themselves because the water is ice cold in winter, that is a priority. Yeah, that I understand. So can we agree that the, the, uh, the priority is determined by the people themselves? Yes, by the need of the people. That is the priority. And the need of the Muslim community, again, is employment, to deal with the crime. No, sir, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying the need of the people. Yes. I'm saying the people. It is the yes. people yes. themselves who will determine what is priority to them, correct? Yes. Now, let me just digress here for a moment. There are organizations like the United Ulama Council of South Africa where all the Muslim organizations gather. We've got the Jamit al-Ulama of Taranzwal, the Jamit al-Ulama of Natal, the Sunni Ulama of Taranzwal, the Sunni Ulama of Natal, and then you've got the Muslim Judicial Council here in the Western Cape. Now, all I'm saying is they've been managing Muslim personal law probably for the last 50 to 100 years. Some of them are older than that, some of them are 80 years old, 75 years old. They've been managing that. Now, I'm saying is they've done an okay job. I'm not saying they did a fantastic job. I'm saying they did an okay job. What I'm saying is the priority for the Muslim community is government corruption. You're taking our tax and our ratepayers' money and you're wasting it. Your friends are driving around in Porsches and Ferraris. You are stealing our hard-earned taxes, and we want that to stop. For the Muslim community, that's most important. The number two thing is the load sharing that is causing unemployment. And what's happening now is with the new laws that government's labor department trying to introduce, where they don't want Indians and colored people to have jobs anymore, these things are priority for us.
You get what I'm saying? Yeah. We need to deal with that. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. So, um, what what do you say then? Um, last last year, we saw a court battle at the Constitutional Court on this very same issue. It would appear as though there are some people who still see it as relevant. While you don't, there are some people who still see it as relevant to the extent that they're fighting it in 2022 with their victory, by the way, uh, the, the Women's Legal Center Trust taking it to court in 2022. Is it possible that perhaps you, as a man, may not see the recognition of Muslim marriages to the advantage of Muslim women as relevant? Is it possible that that's, that's your okay, blind side? Marriage is, if one wants to get into the technical detail, consists of many components, financial, physical, emotional, and spiritual. Now, our courts are struggling to put politicians and officials who steal from the taxpayer in jail. Our courts can't do, do that because we've got problems with our prosecution, we've got problems with our law. The bottom line is we've got officials and politicians that are stealing from the tax and the rate payers who are not going to prison. Now, but you, you're, you're not answering my question, question, sir. My question, Yaga, is, yeah. is it possible that while the Women's Legal Center Trust took the matter to court and won their battle in court in 2022 at the Constitutional Court, it was yeah. very much a priority to them and for them, and that's why they pursued it legally up to the Constitutional Court against the President of the Republic, and they won. Now, my question is, is it possible that while it was a priority to them as women, it's not a priority for you because you're a man? It has nothing to do with gender. It's got to do that perhaps they have some interest in that field. So it is a priority perhaps, for them. I'm not saying that they don't have any interest in corruption or load shedding or unemployment and crime. But what I'm saying is this is where my focus is as a Muslim and as a Muslim leader. Because yeah. the thing is that I am an elected, I'm a, I'm an elected councillor. And I've won four elections, which means I've got a support base. I mean, if you take me into an election, I'm going to, God willing, win an election because people are voting for me. So I've got yeah. a legitimate voice, a democratic legitimate voice, because people vote for me. Not once, not twice, not three times, but four elections I've won. Which means when I speak, I speak on behalf of a few thousand people. Yeah, sure. I'm not disputing that at all. Quite frankly, we know for a fact that um, there is a support base for almost any and every issue that is on the face of the earth. It does not mean, however, we can therefore say other issues are illegitimate, are irrelevant, purely because we have a voice now. Yeah, I agree with that. But what I'm saying is what is a priority for the Muslim community? That you again. represent. The Muslim community you yeah, represent because there are those that you don't represent. If you go out and do a, if you go out and do a statistical analysis, if you walk around in Houting or in Durban or in Port Elizabeth or in Kimberley or in Cape Town, and you go to an average Muslim, whether it's in Manenberg or Mitchell Spain or Hanover Park, and you ask him what is the most five important things in your reality, he's going to tell you about load shedding. He's going to talk to you about unemployment. He's going to talk to you about crime. He's going to talk to you about government corruption. But I guarantee you, that ordinary person in the street, whether he's working class, middle class, or upper class, is not going to talk about Muslim personal law. That I promise you. And that's what right. comes out I from the general public. So it might be that those people, and I'm not saying that the work that they're doing is not important. I'm not saying that the work that they're doing is not important. I'm just saying it's not relative or relevant. 
to the vast majority in the Muslim community. Yeah, yeah, Adams, well, I leave it right there. Thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate you coming through to talk to us. I'd love to hear what other Muslims are saying about what you're saying, but thank you very much. Really appreciate your insights. It was nice to meet you anytime. Give me a shout. Thanks, Thanks a lot. Eh? Bye-bye.